the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, I'm very excited about today's episode. We're going to be talking about design, design, which is something that so many law firm owners don't spend enough time thinking about. Yeah, I was actually, whenever I saw this one on our calendar, I was really excited about it. So I am looking forward to it. So let me introduce our guest. Our guest is Lauren Felter. She's a design educator for non-designers and a former ladder climber. She spent the first decade of her career overseeing marketing, operations, and technical systems for a university admissions office, while also teaching design as adjunct faculty. Then in January 2020, after intense burnout and an identity crisis at the top, she decided to blow it all up and do it her own way. So she turned her highly sought-after university design course into one specifically for professionals like lawyers and business owners who aren't graphic designers, but find designing an inevitable part of their regular to-do list. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, let me just say that when I was in college, I drove a school bus between the two campuses, like I would drive all the students. And then sometimes the admissions office would hire us to drive the potential students around campus or to downtown. And one time I didn't want to work and they made me work. I didn't want to drive and they made me drive. So to punish the admissions office, I drove through the worst part of town with all these future freshmen on the bus. I got in big trouble for that one. I'm sure they love that. Yeah. So, Jim, I mean, we've had, I don't know how many hundreds of podcasts now, and I didn't know that about you. But one of these days, I'll tell you about the story where I got hit by a school bus. And it's actually better worded. I ran into a school bus, but we'll talk about that later. I'll, I'll tease that for some other time. But Lauren, I'm really interested in your journey. So tell us how you got to where you, we kind of heard a little bit about it in your bio, but tell us how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So I started off as a university tour guide September of my freshman year. So did that all four years of my undergrad and then started working in that same admissions office at my alma mater two weeks after college graduation. So I had been raised by two parents that had decades-long careers at the same place, and that kind of loyalty was instilled in me, I guess, subconsciously. So I started out as, you know, kind of like a marketing coordinator, wearing a lot of hats, and then kind of worked my way up, like it said in my bio, to operations, technical systems. I implemented a CRM, 
And then I was also teaching this design course for non-designers as adjunct faculty. So I'm really fortunate. A lot of things just kind of were opportunities that presented themselves to me. And it was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then I left the university after, I don't know, six or seven years, I think. And then I went into corporate consulting. And that was a quick, very quick stint, only about five months. Ironically, I was actually project managing legal claims administration for class action lawsuits. So I kind of know a little bit about this world. I would like help design the postcards that went out when like, you know, Kellogg's was like being sued for too much sugar in the cereal or whatever. And then yeah, January of 2020, I just kind of got to this point where I was like, you know, I am really, really not happy. I've done a lot of things that people told me like, you should do this. Like, oh, this is the next job. Like, oh, you know, make the money, buy the house, like all the things. And I just felt like really, really held back and tied down by these decisions I'd made that I honestly didn't understand the implications of. And so I was like, I want to do something different. I want to work for myself. Actually, the first plan was that I was going to be a professional speaker. And I sold my house in February of 2020. And I was going to travel all of 2020. So ended up living with my parents, which was like a really great way to, uh, you know, start the beginning of the pandemic, like two boomers sipping their coffee at, you know, 6am every day. No offense to the boomers. Love my parents. But We all got on each other's nerves. So yeah, that's where I am today. I am a design educator for non-designers. So I actually worked with a career coach to kind of figure out like, hey, you're really good at this thing that could help a lot of people. Like you teach design in a way that the average Joe or Jane can understand. And that's what I do now. Lauren, what gave you the confidence to think that you could go out on your own, be a speaker or be a design person for non-designers? So the confidence to be a speaker was total lack of research. I had no idea that it was such a competitive space. Literally, I was like, I want to motivate young adults and college students to not make the same mistakes as me. And then I started pitching myself and I'm like, oh, there are like 90,000 other people doing this exact same thing. So it's really, what's the word I'm looking for? Blind confidence? (laughs) That's uh, when you said that, I was like, holy crap, because it's highly competitive. It is. It's really. And now the people that make it, they make some good bank, but uh, it is it's a challenging market to break into. But so tell us about what you do for companies, because I, I, I think people hear design and like, what does that even mean? So like, what, what do you do for companies? Yeah. So really, my specialty is I take design from an indescribable art into an easy to follow set of rules. So a lot of people They look at things and they say, I know that that looks good or I know that that looks bad, but like I can't tell you why or if I try to create it myself, I wouldn't know how to do it. So I have a design course that teaches, you know, sets of rules. It teaches the meaning of colors and fonts and then how to, you know, make it all work together so that your marketing coordinator at your law firm can put together flyers and social media graphics and it can still look good and on brand. And then I also have several branding services and I create custom websites. But through and through, I am an educator at my core. So I was actually just talking to someone yesterday and they were saying, I get really frustrated whenever I work with freelancers from Fiverr because they just like 
create something, they don't ask the right questions, and then in the end, they can't explain to me why they did what they did. And so I really pride myself on always explaining, always coaching someone to the place of being able to answer a question or give me the information that I need to move forward. One of my taglines is that I operate from a no shame, no shade perspective because I know that design can be really intimidating. And like people will come to me and they'll be like, I know, I know my stuff looks really, really bad. Please don't make fun of me. And it's like, I'm never going to make fun of you. Like we're all starting somewhere, but we can like do a little bit better, you know, tomorrow and in a few weeks, like we can get there together. You mentioned that after the public speaking circuit idea went kaput, that you worked with the coach to figure out you know, what made sense for you? How was that process? And how did you end up on design in that process? Yeah. So when I was working at the university that I worked at, I taught a design course, it was called visual communication. And it was a required course for all communication majors. And so I taught design. And then I also taught them Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, and a little bit of video. And it was really popular. I was always told that, you know, out of like the eight other instructors that I got, you know, the best reviews and I taught both in person and online. So that was like always something that I did in the background that I didn't quite realize like was, I guess, as a big of a deal as it was. It was just like, oh, this like thing that I do that's like kind of fun and rewarding. And so when I was working with the career coach, I told her like, I want to do something that helps people. I want to do something that I'm good at. And I want to do something that's unique because I I don't know if y'all are Enneagram people, but I'm an Enneagram three with a four wing, which basically means that I number three is you're the achiever. You need people to see you as successful. And then number four is the individualist. So like, I need people to see me as successful, but I need it to be on my own terms, like not you know, the exact success that other people have seen. So yeah, work together. She actually was a career coach for creative people. So like that really helped that she kind of got what I was doing. But yeah, if if you're younger and you're still in college, potentially and listening to this, definitely take advantage of the career services at your university because it gets expensive when you have to do it later in life. I'm not sure I've ever heard the word Enneagram in my entire life. Maybe I have, but I don't even know what it is, but that's interesting. What are some design tips or maybe some principles that attorneys should know? So one of the things that I talk about a lot is really consistent branding. And so when people hear the term branding, they think like, oh yeah, I have a logo and I put my logo on you know, my business card and my website and whatever. And really branding is anything visual that someone sees representing your organization, your law firm, and it is giving them an impression of who you are and what you stand for before they even read a single word. So what I like to do whenever I do live courses or live workshops is I always do this exercise and it's very popular. And I put two sets of colors on the screen. So lately I've been doing the colors for Walmart and the colors for Target, but there's nothing else other than just those two colors, you know, for each. And I say, you know, how would you describe this brand just based on these colors? And like for Walmart, it's like, you know, approachable, family friendly, run of the mill, you know, whatever. And then for Target, it's like fun, exciting, trendy, blah, blah, blah. And then I do the reveal of the logos and everyone is just blown away. Like, oh, wow. Like I didn't realize. And so it's not just your colors, it's your fonts, it's your shapes. Like There's a difference between a squiggly line, a thin line, cropping a headshot to a circle versus a square. All of those things 
communicate something. So what I do both as an educator and as a service provider is I help you understand the meaning of all of those things so that we can have that consistent branding across the board. So if you're trying to achieve this on your own, the first step is really understanding like, what are those things that I stand for? So typically when I work with clients, I say, I need you to select five adjectives that you would want your ideal client to use to describe your brand. So obviously, like the law industry is a little bit more professional and buttoned up, but like, are you more of a casual firm? Do you want to be taken more seriously? Like, what are those words that you would want someone to use to describe your brand? And then we go from there and we pick fonts that are professional or fonts that are casual, colors, you know, shapes, all of the things. And that's really how you figure out what your branding is. And then, of course, to achieve consistency is you need to actually replicate that across your website, your social media, print collateral, you know, all of the different parts and pieces. One of the things we hired a full-time graphics person at our firm. She does all of our visual stuff. And one of the things she had us do was a brand book. Do you want to talk about what a brand book is and how it might be helpful for law firms? Yeah. So a brand book is a formalized document that's very similar to what I was just talking about, where it fully defines These are our logos. These are how we use them. These are our colors. These are our fonts. These are shapes. Oftentimes it will talk about like headshots, like, you know, our headshots are always going to be black and white, or they're always going to be on a white background, or we're going to be standing in front of, you know, dark wooden cabinets or, you know, whatever. But it's really like setting the tone for the firm so that all of the different visual pieces can be, you know, consistent across the board. Curious, are there some like design no-nos? You're like, do not do this, do not do that. Yes, like about a billion. So I'm going to try to narrow it down. Okay, so I see a lot and I'm sorry to the lawyers. I know that you are trained to write and to probably speak a lot, but like a lot of words is really intimidating. And so if you were walking down the street and someone handed you a piece of paper that was just nothing but text, like you're probably not going to read it. Like it's very intimidating. There's no reason for you to read it. So whenever you have on your website, I'm not talking about like legal documents. I'm talking about, you know, marketing things on your website, on social media, anywhere that you feel that you have to put a lot of text, like A, let's figure out, does it really need to be that much text? But B, Can we add a heading or some headings that tells someone like why they should care about this thing? So like if you have four paragraphs on your about page, like what if you sat down and said, why should someone care about each of these four paragraphs? And can we just like put a short heading above it that would entice someone to actually want to read that thing? Another really common one is like using bullets because a big paragraph is intimidating. But if I see five bullets, my eye knows, hey, this is five things without actually having to read five different things. So really figuring out a way to like break up a lot of text, which is kind of like both a design and a writing exercise, but like asking yourself, why should someone care? And like when I'm working with clients, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask you this question. It's going to sound insulting, but like I'm being honest, like why should someone care about this paragraph? Like, tell me why should someone care? And then they're like, because, you know, we use all vegan products or whatever. And so it's like, okay, that's our heading. Like, that's the hook that we're going to use to get someone to actually read this paragraph here. 
The Guild is maximum lawyers community of lawyer entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you will build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country four times per year. And in 2023, we've added a half-day workshop to each mastermind where you'll learn new skills while working on improving systems and aspects of your personal firm. Then take the hot seat on day two and work through your most pressing challenge. It's all inside the Guild. To learn more, visit MaxLawGuild.com. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today is design extraordinaire Lauren Felter. She's with us here on the show. We're very appreciative of that. One of the things that I really like about marketing is having something to market against. And I noticed that you had mentioned how people just pay five bucks on Fiverr or 10 bucks and hope to get a good design. Can you talk to our members about why that might not be the best approach? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of freelancers or inexperienced designers and like, you know, no offense to people with less experience. We're all learning. We're all getting there. They don't always know the questions to ask. So they either give you something that like they just feel like looks good or they know, okay, you're like a lawyer, you're professional. I'm going to use like navy and gray and uh, like a Times New Roman looking font because it's, you know, professional or they just do something that's like trendy because they just don't know the questions to ask and they don't know how to coach you to get the information that they need. Or they'll just like see something on your website and replicate something like that. And then, you know, you end up, oh, actually, we're about to redo our entire website. You know, I was recently working with um, a company putting together some presentations for them, for their CEO to go out and, you know, pitch them to different organizations. And I looked at their website and made a whole pitch deck that looked, you know, all the same branding as their website. And the CEO hated it. And she kept giving this feedback and I couldn't understand why. And then I found out, oh yeah, she's actually never looked at our website before. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was a big learning lesson. I guess that's a question that I'll ask next time. It's like, what of your existing assets do you want this to look like? That is hilarious. I wonder how many lawyers listening to this have actually never been to their website because I bet it's a higher percentage than what we think. So the challenge, I will say, look at your website on your mobile phone, because if you are driving traffic to your site from digital ads, from social ads, people are landing on your website from their phone and you're probably only ever looking at it on your computer. And it is a very different experience. 100% agree. Yeah. I hadn't looked at it in a couple of months, actually. So I'm glad you said that. So I want to look at mine. There's some things I want to change. So I want to ask you, this has got to be kind of hard, I'm sure, because whenever you're meeting with a new company, let's say you go over and you meet with Jim's firm. And then two weeks later, you come over to my firm. We have completely different personalities, right? But I think that there's probably a, a risk or a tendency of the firms or the companies to take on the characteristics of the designer. So how do you remove yourself, your personality out of the branding? Yeah. So... Number one is starting with those five words, telling me what five words would you want your ideal client to use to describe your firm. And then I typically start with three options and I say why I made the decisions I did with each of those three options. Like, okay, so you said that you are, 
you know, serious and fun. Sorry, those are opposites. <laughs> serious, professional and community oriented. So like I might kind of meld two of the three options on each of them and then you tell me, you know, what it is that you like about each one. So, I mean, I think all designers definitely have like a style, but it's really in understanding, you know, what it is that you're trying to convey with your firm and then presenting options and going from there. Hey, Jimmy, let me ask you a quick follow up to that. So let's say that your the company does come to you and say they, they say serious and fun. I, I guess, can you have both? How do you deal with a situation like that? Sometimes I make people define words because they define them in different ways. Like I would ask, I'd be like, hey, give me an example of like how you can be serious and fun at the same time. And then like we would probably get to the root of it, which is that they're actually more one than the other. But one is like aspirational, like, you know, when bosses tell you that like they care about you and they actually don't like, you know, sometimes it's just lip service. So we just redid our website. And of course, as soon as you said you need to look at it on mobile, I've, I have already, but I, I ran straight to the website. How often should law firm owners be thinking about freshening up their look? I think some people might do it too soon, but I think many, many more do it way too long. I mean, Tyson and I used to, we, we did a couple episodes where we would just randomly pick some practice area in some random part of the country and I remember we found this estate planning lawyer in Encinita, California, and it was like 1990s website design. So when should we be thinking about freshening things up? So typically, organizations are going to evolve their branding every two to five years. And so when I say evolve, like that doesn't mean new logo, new everything, new website. It just means like, We're going to evaluate like what about the prior iteration was maybe a little trendier than we realized or when we did this branding, you know, we were looking to go after this market and now we're trying to go after this market. And also, you know, like when you build your house and or you renovate your house and, you know, you paint all the brick white and you have white countertops and white cabinets like right now, you know, like. Five years ago, maybe you didn't realize that was trendy. And then everyone else in your neighborhood started doing it. And then you realized like, oh, it's really trendy. It's kind of the same thing with design is that sometimes we make decisions and we feel like they're timeless. And then a lot of other people start replicating them. And it's like, oh, you know, that was a little trendy. So, yeah, I think, you know, people obviously all of these different marketing assets are expensive. You know, we invest a lot of time, money and resources in our logos, our branding, our websites, brochures, you know, social, all the different things. It doesn't have to be this hard line in the sand that like on July 1st, the blue goes away and I don't ever want to see blue ever again. It's like, okay, on this date, like, okay, well, you know, we'll update the website and then we'll start, you know, rolling it out on social. Like, unless you completely change your colors from like blue and gray to pink and green, like a brand can evolve slowly over time. And it doesn't have to be this like, hey, you know, we have a new color that we're introducing. Like it can just be this evolution. 
it's funny you say that because there's a, a firm in town uh, in St. Louis that uh, it's the the big volume firm in town that uh, I, I was on their website the other day uh, and they've completely changed their colors and I was actually shocked by it. So that's really interesting. Also, our firm colors are blue and gray. So I figure it sounds like you're talking to me is what it sounds like. <laughs> I need to change my colors. I would bet that about uh, 90% of firms are blue and gray or some kind of cream or something like that. And one other thing that I want to mention is like, don't ever announce that you have a new website. Like nobody cares that you have a new website other than you. People go to your website because they want to know like, what are your services? Like, what can they learn from you? Whatever. But like just saying, hey, I have a new website, unless it's like, we have this new resource on our website or we have, again, like ask yourself the question of like, why should I care kind of thing. That's funny. Jim, you hear that? No announcing the website. We already did that. We already broke that rule. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right. We are getting close to time. So I do need to wrap things up before I do. I want to remind everyone to join us in the big Facebook group. Uh, Jim and I, we've increased our engagement in the Facebook group, sharing a little bit more love there. Uh, If you want a more high level conversation, join us in the guild, go to maxlawguild.com, maxlawguild.com. And while you listen to the rest of this episode, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, I would greatly appreciate it. Jim and I, both of us would, because it helps spread the love. Before we get to our tips and our hacks of the week, Lauren, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to work with you? Yeah. So my brand name is Felter Unfiltered and the initials were intentionally selected as FU because when I first started all of this, I said, you know, this is my FU to the world. So you can find me at felterunfiltered.com or my Instagram is felterunfiltered and I share a ton of really easy to follow free tips, things that you can implement starting today to make your designs look better. I'm going to check that out as soon as we get done. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? So my gym opens at five o'clock in the morning and at five o'clock, that's when I get there. I I usually, there's some real gunners who are just like itching to get in there. They're almost like fighting like at Walmart on Christmas Eve or, or the Black Friday. So usually I let them sort of go up, but my coach keeps expanding the amount of time that I need to be there. So I need to get in there right when it opens too now. And there's this one fellow who comes in right with me and I don't really understand. He's going to swim, right? And so, but he moves around really fast, really fast. And he comes dressed and then he puts on his swimsuit. So I've noticed him because he's running around like a crazy guy. And yesterday, and you know, where I go and where he goes is sort of like 10 lockers away from each other. And yesterday he started talking to me. And where I go is sort of an affluent part of town. It's an expensive gym. And he launches into this five minute explanation about how he has a blue collar. Literally, these are his words. He has got a blue collar job. He can barely afford to go here. He says, this place is in front. And he goes, but I live in Florissant. So he lives up in North County. Like he really felt it was important to tell me all the details. Like he was justifying to me why he was there. And it's really sort of funny because he's talking and then he's in his tidy whities and then he's naked and then he's got his swimsuit on and then he's running away, like almost like he's still talking. And then I saw him again today and it was like a repeat. It was like Groundhog Day. It's 5.01. He's getting in his tidy whities. He's telling me, you know, how much he makes at Boeing doing blue collar work and how he can never afford to live here. And it was his whole thing. And I sort of got a kick out of it. And he's a nice enough fellow. But I thought how often so many of us feel like we have to justify taking care of ourselves or justify our existence, or to make sure that people don't think we're too highfalutin. So I'm going to continue talking to him. Eventually, probably I'll say to him, look, bro, it's all good. And and I, you know, I like today, I said, have a good day out on the line. Like, it's all good. We don't have to justify ourselves to other people. And we certainly don't have to do it when it comes to 
taking care of ourselves, swimming laps or getting on the treadmill or whatever. So I just thought I'd throw that out there today because it really makes me giggle. Jim, I feel like you're speaking to me because as someone that came from two parents that didn't graduate from high school and in the legal space for the first probably five to six years of my career, I, I felt like I had to prove something to people. And I don't like I don't. Yeah, I don't have to explain myself to people. F- them. Now we got to put an expletive on the, uh, on the podcast, but that's fine. Lauren. We always ask our guests to give a tip or a hack of the week. You got one for us? Yes. So mine's actually pretty similar to Jim's and it's that you're allowed to change your mind. So no matter if you have very expensive education, like probably a lot of people listening to this have, or you told people this is what you want to do. If it's not working, if it's not serving you right now or ever, you're allowed to figure out what's a better fit for you and pivoting is not failure. Oh, I like it. Pivoting is not failure. Very good. I was listening to a couple episodes this week by Guy Raz on uh, how I built this. And both of the founders were talking about pivoting and like it was, and you know, failure and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's all kind of intertwined. So I like that. Pivoting is not failure. So my recommendation is going to be a book and it's going to be good um, as my camera goes out. But the, um, it's fascinating. And this is a good one for this episode because it's by Sally Hogshead. And it is a lot about branding. And if you're struggling with getting to the, if you don't hire Lauren, you're struggling getting to figuring out like, what's my brand about? Read that book. And she really kind of walks you through it and identifying what your brand is. And so I really recommend it. It's by Sally Hogshead. It's called Fascinate. But Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. I've learned a lot on this episode. So I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thanks, Lauren. Good stuff. Thanks, Lauren. We'll see you later. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.